The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, we heard a name today that we haven't thought of since the World Series. And no, I'm not talking about the bad word. The guy whose last name rhymes with Rum Larner. Not that guy. I'm talking about Jeremy Affeld, who had the blister problems back in the day. And now it's Edinson Volquez's turn, who is ineffective in his three innings and leaves with a blister today, making him questionable for his next start. But the good news is we're discussing a 7-4 Royals win here here on your dish with Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo as the Royals win their sixth series out of the nine they've played. That's six series wins, a push with that four games against Detroit, and two series losses. Six, one, and two, or six, two, and one, however you want to look at it. So far for the boys in blue, moving to 18 and 10, remaining in first place. By a half game over Detroit, Cleveland falls to 10 and 17. And by the way, they lose their fifth series in a row. But I'll make you a prediction. I think Cleveland's about to get hot. Just a, just a feeling. The offense is starting to look a little bit better for them. I feel like Cleveland's about to string together some wins. So the Royals got them out of town and got done with them just in time. It'll be a while until we see the tribe again. So a lot to talk about in this edition of The Dish. We're going to talk about Volquez. A special shout-out to Franklin Morales, the most unsung hero from today. We'll talk Moose, and we'll, of course, talk as well about the roster moves that were made, uh, mainly with the backup catcher, Drew Butera. Butera, there we go. Drew Butera, we'll talk about that coming up, how the Royals picked him up for infielder Ryan Jackson, what I think that means for Eric Kratz. And another roster move I'm going to predict. That's all coming up here in a little bit, and we'll also preview the entire series against Detroit. So grab something to eat and enjoy this edition of your dish. Lots to get to. But let's start with the player of the game. It's Eric Hosmer, third time of the year for Haas, who obviously had our play of the game as well. Just a big blow in the game in that first inning, making it 4 nothing. I mean, the Royals get four runs in that first inning. The three-run homer by Haas, huge just a BB to center, left center. All of Hosmer's home runs have come to center or to the left center part of the park. They're all credited to center, but a couple of them have been to the opposite field side of the field. That's his fifth home run of the year off Corey Kluber. And that was just huge for the Royals. You know, getting those three runs there from Haas on one swing. And you thought they were going to cruise, didn't you, at that point? I mean... You get a 1-2-3 first inning from Edison Volquez, but then things would unravel in a hurry, and we're going to get to that in a second. But I also want to give a shout offensively. Mike Moustakis, some more love for him. Three more hits and two runs for Moose. Speaking of men who take the ball to the opposite field, he continues to do that at a high rate. And then two hits apiece for Kendris Morales, Salvador Perez, Omar Infante, the second biggest hit of the game, obviously, making the game 7-4 to four instead of 5-4 to four in that bottom of the seventh. The Royals have the bases loaded with nobody out. Omar, a 2-2 count. Yeah, after being ahead in the count, 2-0, swings at a couple borderline pitches. One of them was clearly a ball, but didn't matter. He got the ball right over the middle of the plate. From Scott Atchison, ripped the ball into the left field corner, scoring two, and that gave Wade Davis and Greg Holland all the room they needed to breathe a little bit and get the Royals through another victory. So, I mean, offensively, you got 12 hits today from the Royals and six walks. I love that. Six walks. That's the best part to me. Finally, the Royals have a game where they draw quite a few walks. Poor Corey Kluber. Do we feel sorry for him? Nah, no, we don't. We don't feel sorry for anybody. We've been getting beat up for years. But Kluber drops to 0-5 now with a 5 4 
ERA. Yikes. Now, getting to the Royals pitching and Edson Volquez. So, just the three innings, obviously, and took him a ridiculous amount of pitches, 80 or 78 pitches in those three innings for Volquez. We find out after the game that he has a big-time blister on his hands. And like I mentioned earlier, the Jeremy Affelt uh, comparison, the, the you know, Royals fans will obviously think of him. Although hopefully, you know, whereas for Athel, it was something that plagued him for a good two and a half, three years. Hopefully this is just maybe a one-start thing. Ned Yost after the game indicating Volquez should make his next start against the Rangers. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, the Royals are very proactive, as they should be, with their medical staff and nipping things in the bud, especially early in the season. I think they'll probably have him miss one start. He'll be back. So we may see another Chris Young spot start, which makes this bullpen mess even more troublesome, which we're going to get to in a second. Because, I mean, for the second straight day, you got one plus out of Danny Duffy. So you had eight innings out of your pen yesterday. And then today's six more innings is Volquez... Allows three runs on two hits, three Ks, six walks. Again, it's tough to even talk too much about this start because the blister. I mean, that's a huge deal, obviously. I mean, four walks in that third inning for Volquez. He walked in two hitters in a row. Had three walks in a row there that inning. But, yeah, four overall, including forcing in two runs. Let's not even talk too much about his start. I've been very happy with Volquez. I'm not worried about him at this point. Hopefully, he'll get that blister thing under control. You know, And maybe he won't miss a start, but I think you have to kind of assume he is going to at this point. Now, the bullpen, awesome today. Awesome today. And Franklin Morales is the one that stood out the most to me. Yes, I'm aware. Luke Cochaver made his season debut. It was so good to see him for the first time since September of 2013. And yes, I'm aware Greg Holland came back off the DL. But Franklin Morales, to me, what a response. I mean, he came in and got absolutely lit up last night. We talked about that. Four runs he allowed in one inning last night against Cleveland. Yeah, there was one kind of bloop hit that should have been caught. But he you know, walked the leadoff hitter yesterday. A couple gap shots. I mean, they were just ripping the ball all over the place off of Franklin Morales. He comes back today, though, two innings. For Morales, allowing just one hit, two strikeouts. And he's to me, I mean, the Royals were ahead 4-3 to three when he came in. And things were slipping. I mean, you already had eight innings in the bullpen yesterday. You had at least six more to go today. And Morales is really about the only long guy you truly had available today. Chris Young threw, what, two and a third? And so he, you know, and he's not used to being a reliever, so he's not available today. Calvin Herrera gets his... Suspension reduced from seven to six games, which is good, and he misses the first game today. So one down, five to go. As Herrera was not available, so you were already down two relievers today. So you basically had five guys to get you through the entire game. In the fourth inning, Morales had to give you at least a couple innings. And in a one-run game, I was nervous. I mean, the guy got lit up last night. Has not been overly effective. He's been pretty good overall, I guess. I mean, he's had basically one bad outing, one shaky outing, and the rest have been very good. And you know, spring training was kind of the same thing. Was dominant to the last couple outings in the spring. So, I mean, I don't trust Morales as much as anybody else in that bullpen, obviously. But he's been okay. He's been good. To, to me, tonight though, he took his game and really elevated it for the Royals. And, and to me, next to if I had to pick a second player of the game, next to Eric Hosmer, it would be. Franklin Morales tonight. So nice job by him. And the bullpen overall, six innings, one run, just a solo home run allowed by Ryan Matson against Carlos Santana. So six innings, one run on two hits with five strikeouts, no walks. 
Just another day in, in the Kansas City bullpen for Morales, Hochaver, Matson, Davis, and Holland. Great to see Hoch come back, and that breaking ball looked awesome. He, you know, hit 95 consistently on the gun. Ryan Matson was being Ryan Matson. Wade Davis being Wade Davis. Greg Holland even looked very good. I, I thought maybe Holland would look a little bit rusty, but he didn't. It's like nothing had changed. Picked up right where he left off. But think about this as far as the bullpen going forward. So like I said, you're down a guy for the next five games. No Kelvin Herrera. So you basically got six arms down there, right? Well, today, everybody that was available pitched except for Jason Frazier. And he got up. He was getting warm in the third inning. So the whole bullpen pretty much was used today. At least available guys. You weren't going to use Chris Young and Herrera wasn't available. The Royals tomorrow only have four and a half relievers available, which gets to what I think might be a, a bold roster move here. I'll talk about that in a second. But four and a half relievers, I mean, I say half because Chris Young could, I'm sure, go a couple innings, but maybe not more than that. I mean, again, he's a converted starter who's only had two days off since throwing two and a third. So they're not going to throw him more than two innings most likely tomorrow. And he's your closest thing to a long reliever. I'm assuming Franklin Morales is not available after, you know, two straight days of throwing. So no Morales tomorrow, no Herrera, uh, half of Young. So really you've got four guys. I mean, no Hochaver. Hochaver hasn't even thrown back-to-back games yet this year in Omaha. Has not done that yet. I doubt they run him out there tomorrow. Basically tomorrow you've got Frazier, Matson, Davis, and Holland, and maybe an inning or two of Chris Young, which means Jordano Ventura has got a pretty good amount of pressure on him. He's got to give the Royals seven innings. They need seven innings out of him tomorrow because they can cover it. Matson can go one inning. Davis and Holland can go one inning each. That gets you three. And I guess, you know, Frazier could go one. And I guess Young could go an inning or two. I mean, so technically you have five or six innings tomorrow out of your bullpen. And at that point, you're pulling Jeremy Guthrie or Jason Vargas if he goes extra innings. So, and with that said, you know, Guthrie and Vargas, both guys have struggled throughout the year. And if you use the bullpen up tomorrow again, what do you have left for Saturday and Sunday? And you have no off day next week. I mean, so I think my whole point in telling you this, I mean, obviously the Royal starters have to be much better. We know that already. We've talked about that. We're not going to beat that dead horse again. But would it shock you? Because it wouldn't shock me. Would it shock you if the Royals delayed bringing Alcides Escobar back by a day or two? and optioned down Orlando Calixte before the game tomorrow and just risked it with just basically Drew Butera as the backup catcher and then one backup outfielder. You've only got two position players on your bench. I mean, and if something happens, Alex Gordon has to come in and play third and Moose moves over to second or short. You've got one backup outfielder in that situation in Orlando or Dyson. It'd be risky, but if Escobar's not 100%, first of all, we want him to be that way, and it sounds like he's struggling to come back from what I hear. And, I mean... It, what's more likely to be needed tomorrow and the next day? Another arm, a long guy, or Orlando Calixte? Obviously, the arm is much more likely to be used. So do they delay Eski coming off the DL for a day or two so they can sneak up a reliever? And then, you know, so option down Calixte tomorrow, bring in the reliever, and then after a couple days or a day, send the reliever back down when you activate Escobar. Is that what they do? I don't know. I, I think they might. It's worth looking at. I mean, a guy like Pino can't come back up, to my knowledge, since there's no injury. It's been less than 10 days since he was sent down. But a guy like Aaron Brooks could come back because he was up for that one day, but that was for the doubleheader. Michael Marriott could come back. Uh, I guess Lewis Coleman could come up as a, as a possibility. Uh, 
Just something to think about. It wouldn't shock me if the Royals bring one of those guys up just as insurance for a day or two, but we'll see. And the other transaction, Drew Butera, before we preview Detroit. Drew Butera, the Royals pick him up, former twin, an angel. We've, we've seen Drew Butera. I mean, we're not going to go over the stats. The basics are the guy can't hit, but he can catch and throw pretty well. He's a classic catch-and-throw guy, which is a nice way to say he can't hit. Butera, the Royals say, is not the long-term backup for Salvador Perez. Eric Kratz, plantar fasciitis, goes on the 15-day DL yesterday. So Butera, it, it, to me, the only thing I take from this, I, I still believe Kratz is the backup. I think Butera, I don't even know if he has options left. I haven't cared enough to look. Either he gets sent back to Omaha, or I, I doubt he has options. I assume they, they DFA him, and if he clears, he goes back to Omaha. But this is a very cup of coffee thing for Butera. I'm assuming until maybe September he gets another call-up at that point because uh, he's on the 40 now as the Royals get him there by moving Tim Collins to the 60-day DL. So Butera, to me, I take away you know Frankie Pena, Francisco Pena. For whatever reason, I mean, the guy mashed the ball with power last year in Omaha. Really didn't ever get a look. Came up, had one game last year, no at-bats. I think he was the only guy in the last day of the season in, in Chicago at U.S. Cellular Field that didn't play. There was like eight backups were in the game at that point, except for him. <laughs> Although I believe it was Kratz that came in, and that's why he didn't catch. So they, they did technically have their backup in. But then you go to this year. I mean, last year they keep Brett Hayes, who everybody knew wasn't the answer. This year they bring back Kratz. I mean, they haven't given Pena a chance the last couple of years to make the team realistically opening day. And you don't even keep him up here for 15 days. You go out and pick somebody up. So, I mean, I feel a little bit bad for the kid because he has produced pretty well offensively, pretty well. I mean, the power numbers have been impressive at times for Pena, but a guy they don't trust as a catch-and-throw guy for whatever reason. So, And I understand that you've got a lot of veteran pitchers. You probably need more of a veteran catcher to go with them, not to mention a, a younger guys like Ventura you want a veteran. I mean, veteran catchers are obviously a big deal which is why you see so many of these guys bounce around for years and years and years. I mean, you always wonder how did some of these guys, you go back at the Todd Pratt's and back in the day to the John Marzano's, the late John Marzano, and God, I'm just you know randomly naming catchers. Bob Melvin was a backup catcher that bounced around forever. You know, Tim Spear and uh, Mike DeFelice and Kelly Stinnett. And you just go on and on and on and you say, how do these guys keep jobs that they can't hit? Well, the reason is because they're veterans and you know, obviously teams want that with the pitching staff. So it's tough for a young kid to break in. I do feel for Pena. It's going to be tough for him to make it into the major leagues because he's probably not an everyday player. And there's that bias against being a young backup catcher. Now let's talk about Detroit versus KC. This three-game set. First of all, expectations were met on the homestand. We said four and three. Check. Detroit, the expectation is you win one. The goal is you win two, but the expectation is one. The Royals have to get one of these three games this weekend. Well, okay, they don't have to do anything, but they really need to get one of these three games this weekend. I don't love the pitching matchups in this series. You got your Donovan Ventura, David Price tomorrow night. Ventura is 2-0 against Detroit in his career. First time we've seen him throw against the Motown Boys this year. Now, David Price, do we you know even need to talk about him? Complete game one run against KC. It was a Lorenzo Kane ninth inning home run that kept it from being a shutout. Scattering just five hits, 105 pitches for David Price, giving up the one run against the Royals. So, Arizona Ventura, the most important thing to me tomorrow, well, I mean, I mean you, need, you really want to get that first one, obviously. But he's got to get him innings. Worst case, Ventura has to go six. Coming out the suspension, we haven't seen him for over a week. It'll be interesting to see what he has tomorrow night. Should be a, a good matchup. I will say one note, Jose Iglesias, the slick fielding shortstop and the surprisingly good hitting shortstop for the Tigers, 
is out tomorrow because of a groin injury. And a pretty good chance we won't see him this weekend, I would suspect. Maybe by Sunday. Maybe Sunday night we see him. But Noah Glacius, that'll help a little bit. I mean, that, that kid was throwing some serious leather at the Royals over the weekend at the K. Now, Saturday, it's Jeremy Guthrie, Anibal Sanchez. The rematch of last Sunday, Guthrie comes in 1-2 and two with a 6-5-2. Sanchez comes in 2-3 and three with a 5-1-1. You know what happened last time. Guthrie, six runs, 11 hits in six innings, with the big blow being that two-run shot from Miggy. Uh, Guthrie lifetime is a 4-5-3 at Comerica. Now Sanchez, 7-3rd, and third, three runs and four hits against KC last Sunday. Uh, career has owned the Royals more than any other pitcher in history. 1.40 ERA, 6-2 against KC. You obviously give the Tigers a nod there, but I do still expect Jeremy Guthrie to come out with a good start, and I've said that the last start or two, but I really do think he's going to have uh, turn things around and have a good start. He's a guy who I give at least three more starts to. I believe Jeremy Guthrie has produced... It's, well, I don't believe he has. I know he's produced at the major league level, especially with innings the last several years. Been very good for the Royals the last couple of years at least. Had you know a couple of rough years in there, but throws you 200 innings. But you know as, as often as you and I blink the eye. Competes out there. He's smart. He's one of the leaders of this team, and he's the third highest played player on the team. On top of that, you don't you don't turn your back on an experienced veteran who's done it before who can give you innings, especially when your rotation is proving that it's not good at giving you innings. So at some point you got to give Guthrie. I mean, yeah, at some point Jeremy's going to have to go out there and give the Royals seven innings, six innings, or if he's going to go five and a third, it needs to be two or three runs, and obviously not five or six. When he knows that too. I think it'll happen, and I think that's why I give him a longer leash. For a, for a rotation that's starved for innings more than anything, there's no way you can turn your back on Guthrie. Because, I mean, he really is the most reliably 200-inning guy in the rotation. And in fact, he is. Who else in that rotation can, can boast his resume for innings? Nobody at the Major League level. So Guthrie, well, I don't necessarily like that matchup because Sanchez owns the Royals. I do expect a better start from him, and I do believe no matter what happens, his spot is still safe with me for at least a couple more starts after that. But I think he'll throw a lot better on Saturday. Vargas versus TBD. I believe it's supposed to be Shane Green's spot in the rotation. I haven't even really looked that much about Sunday. We'll talk more about it as it gets closer. But Vargas, 3-1 and with a 5-2-6 against well, that's this year. Against Detroit, he's at a 5-3-7, a 5-1-6 at Comerica. So above 5 this year and above 5 at Comerica Park and above 5 against the Tigers. You don't love him on against that lineup on Sunday, but coming off a great start. He did. Six, you know, or yeah, six innings, two runs for Vargas, his last start against Cleveland in the first game. That was huge for the Royals. And against TBD, you know, we know TBD is not David Price or Annabelle Sanchez. So I, I like the Royals' pretty good odds on Sunday. Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, remember, and we're on national TV FS1 on Saturday. So for this series, I believe the Royals probably will get one, but it would not surprise me if they get two. I think Saturday is going to be the toughest of the three matchups because Sanchez owns the Royals, and you're not exactly sure what you're going to get from Guthrie. You believe it will get better, but you're not sure. Of course, nothing's sure in baseball. Sanchez could also blow up. He's had a tough year, except for that last start against the Royals. I think tomorrow, obviously, leans Detroit because David Price is much more established than your Donna Ventura and better than your Donna Ventura at this point. There's no doubt on that. So you like Detroit a little bit tomorrow, a little bit more on Saturday, and, and you kind of like the Royals on Sunday. Although TBD is a good pitcher, dude. He Sometimes TBD has it and throws good, good games, so we'll see. That's it. We appreciate you listening on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you enjoyed the Bill Pakota interview this week. We always pimp our interviews. We'll be talking to uh, another current Royal. Your hint is outfielder, Wilmington Blue Rocks. 
Class A, Carolina League, will join us tomorrow morning here on Clubhouse Conversation, where we talk to all your favorite current and former Royals players and break down all the games. We'll have them all weekend as the Royals head to Comerica Park, hopefully getting two on this you know weekend, but at least one is the expectation of what you have to have happen. Good night. Go Royals.